0: Snuff Production.
1: Hello, Tom Tilly with you for the briefing. It is Monday the 6th of June and in our briefing today, Jan Fran has a look
2: at why some musicians are hating TikTok. And now there's a whole third wheel which I think didn't exist before. You kind of got to be making tiktoks <laughs> i guess <laughs> and just becoming content creators
1: that's reuben from peking duck you'll also hear how halsey and uh, florence from florence and the machine are also struggling with the demands of tiktok and their record labels that's all in the second half of this episode first here are today's headlines and for those i'm joined by antoinette latouf
3: G'day, Tom. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is in Indonesia today and he'll be meeting with their president later today.
2: I wanted to
4: make sure that my first bilateral visit was here to Indonesia and I look forward to the discussions with President Widodo.
3: The PM is visiting the country for two days, joined by Foreign Minister Penny Wong, Trade Minister Don Farrell and Industry Minister Ed Husic.
1: Yeah, he'll also be joined by uh, some business leaders from companies including the Commonwealth Bank, Bluescope Steel and Telstra and discussions will centre around security concerns in the region as well as our economic partnership, trade, investment and climate change.
3: Tom, I learned something new. I didn't even realise there's something else that's on the agenda. So Indonesia wants visa rules loosened. So Aussies, when we get there, we get a tourist visa on arrival, like provided we stay there for less than 30 days. But for Indonesians, they have to pay $140 and they face a bunch of questions. And that includes asking whether they've committed genocide mm. or crimes against humanity. Um, so the tourism minister uh, is hoping that that can be recon.
1: Well, I'd argue that a lot of Aussie tourists commit crimes against humanity when they go to Bali and misbehave, so that does seem, <laughs> does seem a little unfair. I can imagine that um, President Widodo wants to even the score on that one.
3: The Australian government has condemned the actions of a Chinese fighter jet.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's been revealed that a Chinese fighter jet flew alongside and then cut across an RAAF surveillance plane, an Aussie plane, 11 days ago, And the Chinese plane released flares as well as chaff containing aluminium shards that were sucked into the RAF engine. In the Australian government's view, in the Defence Department's view, uh, this was uh, not safe, uh,
4: what occurred. And we've made appropriate, uh, appropriate representations to the Chinese government expressing our concern at this.
3: PM Anthony Albanese there. So no one was injured and the aircraft was returned to its base, but the incident happened in international airspace over the South China Sea as part of a routine patrol two days after the PM traveled to Tokyo for the Quad Leaders meeting.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this really comes down to, you know, whether you see these as Chinese waters or international waters. China say that this is their territory over the South China Sea whereas uh, the Australian government um, sees this as international airspace and we've vowed to continue exercising our right of navigation over that area.
3: Opposition leader Peter Dutton has announced his shadow cabinet with 10 of the 24 positions given to women.
4: We've tried to get a balance here, and uh, the balance is uh, not just across jurisdictions, not just in terms of gender, but experience, and uh, I'm very proud of uh, of the team that we've been able to put together.
1: Yeah, not sure how many women will be left on the backbench. Anyway, um, the deputy leader, Susan Lee, will tank on the shadow industry and the portfolio for women, and Michaelia Cash... Will no longer be the Attorney General or in that portfolio. Um, she's now the Shadow Employment Minister,
3: and the now highest-ranked Moderate Liberal Simon Birmingham has been given the Shadow Foreign Affairs portfolio, while Conservative Angus Taylor has picked up the Treasury, and Scott Morrison's former allies Alex Hawke and Stuart Robert. Well, they've been demoted. Robert is now in the Outer Ministry, and Alex Hawke has been dropped from the ministry altogether.
1: And Scott Morrison himself is, of course, on the backbench, so it'll be interesting to see how long he lasts there, if he sticks it out for a long time and makes a comeback, Mm -hmm. or whether he is on the way out.
3: Tom Dutton did make the point that, you know, 10 of the 24 cabinet are women, but um, I did my own little calculations mm. um, and just one of the 24 person cabinet is culturally diverse. Even the minister in charge of Indigenous Affairs he is no longer Indigenous. And so this is really interesting given Peter Dutton had said he wanted the coalition to win back the Forgotten Australians. Um, well, he kind of forgot to include and represent around 24% of the population.
1: The Forgotten Australians thing is just weird anyway given they were in government for the last nine years. Were they the ones forgetting those forgotten exactly. Australians? <laughs> God save the Queen, can you feel it Antoinette, the passion and the power on the streets in the UK. So four days of festivities have wrapped up. This is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebration, 70 years on the throne.
3: The 96-year-old monarch, she managed to step out onto the balcony of Buckingham Palace and wave to the crowds during the finale, accompanied by the next three generations of royals.
1: Yeah, sadly though, she had to miss out on most of the Jubilee events because of mobility problems. She did say in a statement that her heart has been with you all and that she's humbled and deeply touched that so many people have taken to the streets to celebrate my Platinum Jubilee.
3: And those people include a bunch of stars like Ed Sheeran, Sir Rod Stewart, Sir Elton John, Diana Ross and our very own Jason Donovan who performed while celebrities like Sir Cliff Richard and Kate Moss were also in attendance.
1: Yeah, it was amazing to see so many people on the streets of London. It was absolutely beautiful. The Queen, even though she wasn't there for a lot of it, she did manage to record a video um, which has been a real hit. It's her and Paddington Bear it's quite amazing. It's quite funny as well. So she's sitting with Paddington Bear at her table inside the palace. And Paddington Bear takes out a sandwich from under his hat. And she pulls one out of her handbag. Perhaps you would like a marmalade sandwich. I always keep one for emergencies.
0: So do I. <laughs> I keep mine in here.
1: Ah, yes, it's beautiful. Um, she's pretty good at these skits. When the London Olympics opened in 2012, she was with James Bond and jumped out of a plane. I
3: oh, just love her.
1: Yeah. Such a legend. She has a good stunt uh, double as well by the sounds of it.
3: Rafael Nadal has won a record 22nd Grand Slam.
2: I for sure never believed to uh, be here at uh, 36, uh, being competitive again, uh, playing in uh, in the most important court of my career one more time.
1: Yeah, just incredible. So he took down Norwegian challenger Kasper Ruud in straight sets. 6-3, 6-3, 6-3, 6-love in the final. This is his 14th French Open.
3: He now leads Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer on Grand Slams, 22 to their 20.
1: Yeah, so that's an interesting um, battle to watch. I mean, I'm not sure Roger Federer is going to win too many more. So I think it's going to um, come down to a battle between Djokovic and... And Nadal, and obviously Mm -hmm. Nadal got ahead when he won the Australian Open after Djokovic had been sent home (laughs) earlier this year, Mm -hmm. if you can remember back that far. Mm -hmm. Djokovic, I think, will probably be back, um, so we might see a very interesting showdown both at Wimbledon but here in Australia in, in January.
3: And look, Tom, I reckon 36 is pretty young, but not in tennis terms, because no. on average, pro tennis players typically retire around 27. Um, so we heard the mention there about, oh, I didn't think I'd be playing at 36, competitive at 36, mm. let alone at the top of his game at 36.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And in the women's final, it was Poland's Iga Swiatek who won the final tanking down America's Coco golf in straight sets on Saturday. All right, Antoinette, we'll catch you tomorrow. Jan Fran's about to take us on a journey into the world of TikTok, which a lot of musicians aren't too happy about.
0: The conversation of TikTok came up a lot.
4: So I'm like, TikTok are who? Like, you know, <laughs> but they're like, you know, we've we really got to make sure these 14-year-olds know who you are. And I'm like, but they've all got mums. If everyone's making music for the TikTok, Who's making the music for my generation?
0: That was Adele. You know, the Adele talking about being made to use TikTok to create and market her music. Now... TikTok is shaking up the music industry big time. There have been massive artists like Lil Nas X and Doja Cat who blew up on TikTok. Lizzo and Harry Styles use it all the time to promote their tunes, which often end up topping the music charts. So it's no surprise that record labels are pushing their artists more and more to create content for the TikTok generation. Although not everyone is diving in headfirst. Reuben Styles Richards is one half of the band Peking Duck. Reuben, welcome to The Briefing. Thank you for chatting to us about this. TikTok for artists, yay or nay, where do you sit on this?
2: Well, it's, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's uh, on the agenda of every uh, label to, uh, I guess, be pressing everyone because the numbers don't lie. And uh, when there's a song that blows up on TikTok, it ends up charting, in the global charts on Spotify and you can't really uh, deny that if a label's job is to uh, make money from music, they want that to happen, obviously. Making TikToks, it's very unnatural for me because I don't really know what is going on. I think slowly I'm getting more of a grasp of what TikTok is, but when I first downloaded it, it was like, everyone's just doing some dumbass dances. And it just doesn't seem (laughs) like something I really want to get involved in.
0: I mean, you are involved in it though. You do have a TikTok account. I've been stalking you all morning on it. Were you told (laughs) to start it by your record label? Like, was this something that they sat you down and had a conversation to you about and said, you've got to start a TikTok?
2: I reckon it was probably about two years ago. uh, They got us on a call, like just as the lockdown started and they're like, Hey, I realize you guys aren't going to be playing so many gigs. Mm. You might have a little bit of extra time for, uh, making your sales go crazy. They showed us graphs and showed us charts. And even two and a half years ago, like the Spotify global top 100, I think 92 of the songs were in there because of TikTok. We only got in this industry to make music and play shows I guess five years ago there really wasn't like anything more to it it was really like everyone in the music industry just makes tunes in the studio plays shows on the road that's it it's simple and brilliant but yeah essentially every band in the world just wants to make tunes and play shows and now there's a whole third wheel which I think didn't exist before you kind of got to be making TikToks, (laughs) I guess, (laughs) and just becoming content creators.
0: Is there any difference to the amount of music that you sell or the um, tickets that you bring in? Is there any tangible difference that you have noticed to being on TikTok as an artist compared to not being on the platform?
2: Well, that's the thing. Unless you're massive on TikTok, it doesn't really do anything. And I guess the way I've been explained is – It may or may not blow up. Mm. You might have one video which gets like 30 million views one day and then you've got 50,000 TikTok followers one day. But that may not happen. What I guess the general consensus is if you do just do a post every day, it's just upping your chances. You know, it's that throw shit at the wall, see if it sticks. And it's not really doing it because it will help. It's doing it on the chance it will help.
0: You sort of take the piss out of it a little bit because I know that you posted a TikTok about having to post a TikTok on TikTok, which is just incredibly meta. But there's a certain way that you kind of use use it, which is, you know, you understand that you have to be there, but in some ways you're kind of taking the piss a little bit. Like is that like a, a strategy that you developed or was that just you trying to be as authentic as possible?
2: In my eyes, I think TikTok would think that's hilarious. If someone that worked for TikTok or someone posting a TikTok about having to post a TikTok, I think. You know, On TikTok. Uh, <laughs> it's like the you're so vain, I bet you think this song is about you kind of scenario. <laughs> but I love the irony like that. I think everyone does. But, yeah, it wasn't like so strategic. It was just like since Halsey and Lizzo and everyone started blowing up about being pressured to make TikToks, I do absolutely see where they're coming from. So I'm going to post a damn TikTok about Mm. having to post TikToks and make it clownish and make it silly. And as long as I don't take it seriously and let it, you know, consume my life, I reckon if I can just set aside four hours a week, max, and no, no more time spent, and then get like five little videos in the draft section and then just punch him out each day I reckon that's that's kind of in my world I think that's the dream doing planned stuff yeah it does feel weird and I'm not gonna lie I don't feel comfortable doing it but I know you got to do it and uh I found like with the "You're only great always project it's it's not that difficult to just do like a remix of a trending song like the Lizzo song for example which I did the other day Just post about music production, you know, that's something which is keeping it music focused and keeping it in the realm of just making music, but then also getting the TikToks done for the label.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yes, staying on TikTok by the sounds of it. You've got your drafts. <laughs> You've, got
2: <laughs> You've got a
0: strategy, Reuben.
2: Happy label, happy fable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know what fable means to be honest I, I've, I've just whipped that one out of nowhere
0: <laughs> screw it we're using it i love it <laughs> <laughs> that was Ruben styles richards of Peeking duck there he does seem to have a strategy about how to forge forward in this brave new tiktok world but let's go to a wider picture here with cameron adams he's listeners feature music writer he knows all about this stuff Cameron, thanks so much for joining us. First of all, just tell us what is it about the platform of TikTok? Because I'm not hugely familiar with it, I'll admit. What is it about the platform that makes music go viral?
4: I guess in the in the last few years, music has, with Spotify, like you have to have a song, if it has to sort of click within 30 seconds or A, people click off and go to something else. So you'll find that the artists are moving the chorus to the start of the songs to get people's attention straight away. So when you factor in TikTok and people will just go to the next thing straight away, you need to get someone's attention fast. So if you have a song that you can do a dance routine to, for instance, that will just grab people's attention automatically. That's when TikTok has just seized the moment. And so music companies are realizing that and they're pitching songs to TikTok or trying to start these TikTok trends that will just like help these songs take off. There's been a few songs lately, like um, Harry Styles as it was, which is a you know global number one that's had all these TikTok dances going to it, or people singing along to it. And yeah, so there's just a whole string of artists and singles like Doja Cat launched her career on TikTok, Olivia Rodrigo, even Celine Neon's had a song lately that in the last year has blown up again because it's become the soundtrack to TikTok dances.
0: Baby, baby, baby,
4: baby, like Labels are seeing this and going, oh, hang on, this is perfect marketing to, to young people.
0: I mean, it does sound like it is pretty good marketing to young people if you can launch a career like Doja Cat has on TikTok and then go on to sell records and become a sort of international superstar. Um, what's what's the downside here? Why are there so many artists that are sort of a bit sus on the platform? I think
4: because it's worked so well, record labels who, you know, maybe aren't always that creative or they see something happening and they like to follow trends, they are now forcing all their artists, basically, you know, they've made the music and now they've got to promote it themselves on TikTok. I mean, you sign to a major label to get that muscle, that clout behind you for marketing.
0: Do you think there's a reticence from older artists to jump on the platform compared to, say, younger artists that might have used it natively?
4: Yeah, totally. Uh, Ben Lee, Australian singer-songwriter, he's been on it and i I think Ben's in his 40s and he's saying, even he was like, what what am I doing on this? This is for kids. But he's sort of using that and taking the piss by doing that. Rod Stewart's on it. So there are older artists on it. I guess the thing is they have to be on it or maybe they think they have to be on it, but it is a younger demographic oriented platform. But I guess, hey, if you have a song that launches through TikTok, it eventually will cross over to that demographic, you know, like the way it works now is it's a streaming hit and then it gets on the radio and then maybe people download it the old style way. So, yeah, I can see the company's point because it's a sort of, you know, let's, let's join the fun kind of thing and if you can't bring them, join them. But, yeah, it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all way to launch your career.
0: Do you think it's inevitable that artists will just end up folding in TikTok as part of their marketing strategy? Is it just something that we can come to expect from all artists who are now signing up to major record labels?
4: Yeah, I would say that most contracts these days, new ones, would have a social media clause at least where you need to promote yourself. I think if you're 18 making music, you've grown up with with social media and TikTok anyway, and you, a lot of artists are discovered through TikTok these days. Like they've been launching their music the same way that they were discovered by SoundCloud or YouTube or whatever past MySpace back in the day. So it's just the latest platform to appeal to a wide audience. And I guess if you can get a TikTok following yourself without a record label, it shows you're quite self-motivated and quite appealing to younger people. So that's an attractive proposition for record labels. So currently it's TikTok. There'll be something else after this when TikTok isn't cool. But there's always going to be, yeah, I think going forward, social media and music will be very, very closely linked.
0: So where do you see sort of TikTok moving in the future in terms of its relationship with the music industry?
4: I guess you've got to try and keep that level of authenticity that people look at it. and that's why i guess when halsey's calling out tiktok people are like oh hang on this is all manufactured this is all fake and no one wants that that doesn't work well that doesn't play well to, a, to an audience so they think it's been something's going on behind the scenes but yeah I, I think that tiktok's here for definitely a little while there's just so many eyes on that platform and that's what record labels want these days like it's harder and harder to get attention so when you've got a platform that is that popular and it's very visual as well so it, it is a perfect marriage that Definitely in the moment, at least.
0: That was Cameron Adams. He is listeners' feature music writer. And it sounds like TikTok not going anywhere. Unless there's a new social media app that trumps it in the same way that it's sort of trumping Instagram, which sort of trumped Facebook. Mm. Stay
2: tuned.
1: All right, tomorrow on The Briefing, President Joe Biden's battle with the gun lobby. Will they be able to achieve anything on gun reform after the recent tragedies?
4: now. Nah.